Psalm 68, verse 5, is definitely a pivotal scripture. It says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Okay. And so I, I connect with that because, I mean, I'm fatherless. Per- I mean, my, my dad left before I was born. So I, when I first read that, it was, it was inspiring to me and meaningful to me yeah. that God could be that. Sean, um, it seems like you've been looking at your relationship with God recently and have come up with some new concepts and some new ideas and ways of looking at your relationship with God that might be helpful to those who are listening uh, to deep spirituality. Tell us how you got into that. So, um, I mean, the last few weeks, there's been different uh, topics about uh, about God and how he's, uh, I mean, one of the topics was how he parents, he doesn't punish. And it got me thinking and praying about how I grew up and how I even view parenting. And now that I am a dad, it's something that has been challenging for me. So I started connecting more with how I grew up and how God's been a parent in, for me my whole life and how I've kind of responded to that during my life. So it kind of helped me to study it out and kind of start thinking about God in a different way, or at least seeing my need to start seeing God in a different way because I tend to look at what you, some of the influences he can have as more negative or punishing me versus actually parenting me and guiding me to a certain place in my life. Has relationship with God been a strength for you in your life as a Christian, do you think? No, it's been, it's been weak. It's been weak. Um, what do you mean by weak? I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to that, but what do you mean by weak? Meaning I get, I think when I first became a Christian, I think I was really inspired about, man, I want to be close to God and that he's a part of my life, but it's, it's so but it's so easy for me or hard for me to think about as a relationship. Think about it, him more as um, uh, be distant or detached. Um, I think if I want rules or kind of a, a way to kind of live my life versus actually living and be close to him and being aware of how close or distant I am from him. So I think that's... So I can kind of easily go through life of think about it as how good I'm doing or bad I'm doing, not how close or distant I am from God. So we're here with Mike Query, uh, Sean Killick, uh, Russ Yule, Despirituality, and we're just getting started talking about relationship with God. Um, so Sean's done a lot of work on this and some interesting concepts he's developed uh, about parenting and seeing God as a parent uh, with a theme really of somewhere I belong. Uh, what I was wondering is, what I'm still kind of looking for what was happening in your life that made you feel like you needed to do this. I understand what you mean about looking back and a lot of people look back at life and they're trying to make sense of, 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 of the past or learn from the past. But what was happening in the present that made you think I want to take my relationship with God to a completely different level. That makes sense. Um, So I think, Present is, uh, I think, the last however many months or years, uh, I feel like there's more challenges with, you know, being a parent, being yeah. a dad myself, and, okay. and realizing I'm not totally equipped for, you know, what, you know, for being the dad, and uh-huh. and I think part of that is I can respond to challenges in my life in a negative way, like God's punishing me, or I'm not good at certain things, and so, um, you know, or uh, marriage-wise, you know, like areas I need to grow in, I I look at myself as failing or doubt myself rather than actually God's trying to bring me somewhere. Right. So I think that's, I think that's what 
got me thinking about the need to change. Yeah. And uh, I think the concept about God being a parent, um, I mean, that's been in the Bible since we, you know, it's, been, it's in the Bible, but I don't Where think Where is that I, in the Bible? Um, I mean, first one I think is Luke, Luke 11, you know, talks about, uh, well, when Jesus is teaching people to pray, start off with Father, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, that concept, mm-hmm. you know, I was inspired when I first read that. I don't, I think it's taken, it's still something I need to learn to because I grew up without a dad. Right. So that is a hard one. Something I want a lot, you know, connection about, but it's really hard for me to even know what to. Now, now why is that? Would you say about a dad? It's something that I've always wanted to have a connection, that type of connection between me and a dad. Yeah. But I also have an insecurity. Can you say more about why you, like, why, did you already say why you don't have a connection with dad? Um, well, I grew up without my dad. He left before I was born. Um, what, 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 yeah, how, how does that play a role? Because there are a lot of people out there listening, and I'm going to put Mike in here in just a minute because I think you and Mike have been collaborating a little bit, uh, and Mike, I think, has published a, a version of what you were studying and talking about on deepspirituality.net. But I'm, I'm looking, I think there are people out there that are probably saying, uh, as I would say, you know, um, you know, I, my relationship with my father should have been closer or um, um, I didn't understand how to build a relationship with my dad or my dad wasn't there. I think there are a lot of people that have a variety of things. We're not talking about blaming your father or mom for anything, but just they're important shapers of your view of God in the sense that the degree of stability and reliability of the parent, the consistency and certainty of the parent, not perfection, has some influence on it. But not just parents, I think coaches, um, uh, older brothers, older sisters, uh, older influences, uh, they also have an influence on that as well. But can you just talk more about, for people out that are listening, because what, what, what does that mean? Because I think that's maybe be, if you're listening to this for the first time, it may be hard to grasp how did Sean figure out there's a connection between his relationship with his dad and Father in Heaven. I don't think anybody but religious people would probably understand that. So, yeah, what I can connect with or I can share about was uh, like growing up, I didn't, you know, my dad left before I was born, and I didn't, I knew that as a fact, but it, it was around middle school or early high school where I started having more emotion about it, insecurity, uh, feeling different. Why uh, would you feel different? Going to friends' houses and they'd have their dad or they'd complain about oh. arguments with their dad, <laughs> you know, and, I, and part of me was like, well, I think I felt insecure about it, but also like, well, I'm better because I don't have to deal with the arguments. And, yeah, yeah. But inside I felt, well, how come I'm different, you right. know? And I think everyone actually has something different. I think to me, I just connected, that must be my thing. So I, that's my insecurity, yes. you know? But, um, you know, so, but it's something that I was like, I want, like I used to watch, uh, Cosby show or these family sitcoms and tell myself, well, I'll just learn from the dads on these shows. Uh-huh. What do you learn what? Learn, uh, be parent, you know, learn about dads, you know, or like, I'll just learn the lessons uh-huh. from them. You know, I don't need an actual, you know, what I tell myself. Yes. But d- deep down, I, I think I wanted a, or I wanted a relationship like that. Yeah. And so the way I can connect with the relationship with God is I did have a stepdad from ninth grade through 11th grade. Cool. And it was something I was really like, oh man, this is Part of me really wanted it, but yes. then a part of me was really scared, Why? insecure, not knowing how to be. How do I be a son? How do I ask questions? How do <laughs> I, I, you know? Anybody knows how to do that, but okay. <laughs> so I think I didn't, I think what I connected with is there's a choice that I didn't make yeah. at that time, and that I still don't make now with God of being now, That doesn't make sense to me exactly, so give me some deep understanding. You saw a need for God, you, I mean, I'm sorry, sorry. You saw a need for a dad, you wanted a relationship with a dad, 
it seems like you thought a fair amount about it, got excited when your stepfather came along, but when you became a Christian, you didn't you didn't pursue a deep relationship with God. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying I'm trying to understand. I think it's I'm relating to the uh, that God can be a dad, but we still have to choose to kind of treat him that way. So uh, why would why would why do you think people and we're going to get Mike in on this question and he can he can when he comes in on this question he can also talk about what motivated him or how he approached writing about the things that you'd been talking about. But what happens to someone when they have an experience where they can see a need for intimacy with a parent, mom, dad, they can see a need for an intimacy with uh, older, mature influence. And yet when they become a Christian, they're not motivated to pursue that with God. Do you see what I mean? It's like, I think a lot of us, myself included, and I, my story is not that dissimilar from your own, but I know when I was growing up, there are a lot of things I wanted my dad to be and do that he didn't do, and I didn't understand all the pain and challenges, responsibilities, and burdens in his life as most kids, and so I was ignorant of that and selfish about that, and so I couldn't understand, but I claimed to want that relationship, but when I became a Christian, I didn't pursue God with this unbridled passion, so I'm kind of... I know my answer, but I'm kind of curious about your experience of why don't you think that translated into like, man, I became a Christian. Now I have the father who's the ultimate father, you know, unconditional, going to be on my side, going to walk with me, present all the time, inside me, outside of me, all around me. Uh, The Bible talks about him having an incomprehensible and infinite understanding, so you'll never have a conversation with him where he doesn't understand you. Like, what do you think happens to us that even though we want that, when we become Christians, we don't pursue it with him? I can can hop in and buy Sean some more time. (laughs) (laughs) You better better some money to exchange hands if you're buying. If you're going to buy more time, I heard buy, that means money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I... um, Cause, so Sean did a Bible study. He wrote, he put some scriptures together, and it yeah. was really about, you know, how God parents, right? Yeah. So, and it helped me because that's um, I'm all I've also became I I got a 16 month old, so I'm a new parent myself. But um, so I was helped by, and I did a little bit of write up on it, and it's published now, so you can check it out online. Um, but I think to answer your question, what stood out to me was just how much I like naturally don't like. I guess what I, I don't like parenting, right? That's kind of what I took away from the study. The things that God does to parent us are things that I naturally don't want to pursue. Like, I don't want to pursue, like, I, I don't like being coached. I didn't like being coached in high school. I didn't like, I didn't go into the, the, the what do you call it, the professor's office hours. You know, like, I didn't right. like seek after things that were uncomfortable for me, which is like, hey, let's look at some, some deficiencies you have and figure out how to, you know, get you better, right? Because right. it's uncomfortable. So I think when I became a, Christian started realizing like, um, cause the idea kind of like the idealized, you know, dad, you know, fictional dad that Sean was talking about. It's like, or any parent <laughs> like, Hey, that, yeah, that sounds great. Like where it's just, everything wraps up nice and tidy at the end with yeah. the music. Right. Um, but then the reality being like, Hey, it's messy. You know, there's a lot of things that I need correction on. Right. There's limits that need to be placed in my life. And so, so I had, you know, I was with my mom and then I'd go to my dad, my dad's place about third, third of the time of the year. And, but I would, be parented either way but yeah. um it was always kind of like sort of a stunner when i'd go to my dad's place because you know dads i think parent differently than moms they have different roles right so my dad would just, and he you know grew, he grew up or grew up with my dad living in 
St. Louis, Missouri. So you know you get out there and it's snowing, it's cold and stuff in the winter. And so, it's not cold. So I, uh, <laughs> I come from Michigan. That is not cold. Well, for a guy, That's spring. For a kid who grown up in the Bay Area, it's cold. <laughs> so I'm going out there. I'm like, snow. So my dad's like, hey, well, you know, uh, yeah, you're here. Awesome. Hey, why don't you get out and shovel the walk? <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, yeah. shovel the walk? There's video games to be played, you know? And he's like, yeah, you're going to shovel the walk, right? right? And then you're going to do the dishes, right? And he's just like relentless. I, I feel like I, I learned how to push on my mom in a way, you know, because she, my mom's obviously super nurturing and super hardworking. It's just different roles, you know? So I remember going like, man, I can't get anything bad. My dad's a military man. So he had like discipline, right. you know? So I think what I realized is like, when reality hits of like what parenting is, it's like, oh, that's not usually comfortable. That's not, and, not what you really want. <laughs> I'm like, oops, that's not what I, what I wanted was just, you know, to be pampered and lifted up and like, you know, you're the best. Well, it's interesting. When I, when I was growing up, Brady Bunch was the, the, the show, mm-hmm. one of the shows of choice for family. Right. There are others, but that's one that I think a lot of people have continued to watch even until now. And what my wife and I were, what, what, we, a couple of years ago, we said, we're going to watch it from beginning to end on Netflix or something. I can't remember where we found it. Hmm. And um, we started watching it. And the thing that hit us is how everything was surrounding the kids. Like uh, the hmm. kid, it was all about how do the kids feel? Make sure the kids are okay. These really like <laughs> talks that were all, the parents were never the center of the conversation. Hmm. And as I was watching, I went, that's why I like this show. Because <laughs> the, the version true. of parent on there was, you know, if, if, if Bobby or Marsha had a problem, all of a sudden dad's not working today. Dad's home. And he doesn't have to work. He's <laughs> able to have that conversation. Right. And mom's home. And then they had a maid. Right. And you're like, whoa, you got a maid and a cook. Who has a maid and a cook? Right? Like, right. they had a maid, a cook. Yeah, I started asking, what does mom do? Because right. mom was able to be flexible and around. She didn't have to work. Yeah. She didn't have to cook. She didn't have to clean the house. It wasn't real. But when you're watching it, you're going, this is great. Mom's whole job was focusing on every need of the kid. Dad's whole function was focusing on every need of the kid. And, of course, when I compared them to my parents, my parents look bad. Your dad's going to look bad compared to, you know, <laughs> a, a dad on TV who's like, oh, son, let's go out and have a father-son experience shoveling the snow, which is what we kind of want. And then right. after we get done, let's go in the house and I'll make you cocoa with big marshmallows. <laughs> and, right. and, 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 and then I'll, you know, turn the space heater up in your room so your room's the right temperature. <laughs> uh, and I want you to sleep in tomorrow. I, don't, you know, you're exhausted. I'm going to shovel for you tomorrow. So I love what you're saying, Mike, is that. We have a definition of parenting right. as young people, children, right. mm-hmm. that is not necessarily a parent. Right. You know, you might, the, 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 the definition of parent we might have as young people, not everybody, is more like a drug pusher than a parent. <laughs> well, and I think that's what's made it hard for me with God over the years, right? Yes. Because I've, you know, had that in my head of like what parenting should be. And I got away with being able to think that and avoid kind of God's parenting right. for a long time. Like when I went to college, I largely avoided anything that would get me near people with. So here's the thing know. that's making me curious because both of you have spoken about, talked about and studied the subject. What scriptures really got you going with regard to seeing this issue in your life? So uh, Psalm 68 verse five is definitely a pivotal scripture. It says a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Okay. And so I, I connect with that because 
I mean, I'm fatherless person. I mean, my, my dad left before I was born. So I, when I first read that, it was it was inspiring to me and meaningful to me yeah. that God could be that. Yeah. But I think as Mike was talking about, I think the definitely an idealized version of what a father would be, you know? Yeah. So there's aspects of parenting that I just don't like, you know? What and aspects of parenting don't you like? I think the, uh, <clears throat> that the, the training, the the discipline part, you know, because <laughs> growing up, I wasn't disciplined. I'm laughing because what, what, what? Well, who likes that? This, no, that's not what I was. Besides the training and the discipline, and the, isn't that the parenting part? Well, <laughs> asking Robin's trips. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that that training and discipline are punishments. See, I don't see it that way. But you know, like when you're playing, you're playing, playing. But even when you play, you're teaching. So in Parents play, often does are playing with their kid, and that kid starts to crawl. You're going through this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then they start to walk. That all happens in the midst of play. Hmm. But playing is educational. It's tra- When people play, they learn how to be social. They learn how to get along. One book I read once said the difference between fathers and mothers is that mothers study their children when they play. Fathers just play. And that's why many times mothers can nurture better because they're studying the kid and learning about the kid in the midst of playing. Wow. But so I'm saying... To me, I think one of the the, the, hmm. the things that was interesting that you said is, you know, of course, there's the training, there's this, there's that. But if you take out the training and the teaching and the showing how, what's left as parent as far as parenting is concerned? I'm That's, just curious from your point of view. I think what I, I mean, the the, the picture in my head was the, the I guess the connection, the spending time, the just the the love, I guess, part, you know, of like, man, we're bonded together. So it's know? interesting. So the training and the the guiding and the directing is not love. No, I believe I believe it is love, but I think it doesn't feel that way. That's to what I'm me. saying. You're saying that's not love. <laughs> right. But love is intimacy, closeness, mm-hmm. nurturing, understanding, patience, uh, uh, play, not in a negative sense, but play in the sense of the experience of intimacy and growing together and having adventures together that's the parenting. Am I getting that right? That's what I looked, yes. Yeah. So then when training is introduced, so if you're playing and and you stick your finger in the electric socket and the parent says, what are you doing? Stop. That's not parenting. That's not the part I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And I think for, so have you studied biblically any of that? Um, I mean, I have. Uh, well, for this study, I looked at uh, Psalm 139, which kind of, it's not about parenting directly, but it is about God and how he feels and kind of treats us. Yeah. And, um, so that helped me where he shapes us from the, be- you know, from the beginning and how he talks about putting us on the path uh, to everlasting life. I can read, I can read those passages. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, we, I think everybody wants to know just how you're processing this, because I think what we're doing today is just sort of getting, digging on in and saying, what's your perspective? What's Mike's perspective? How do we think about this? And we're going to, we'll try to land a little bit later, folks, and get down into some nitty gritty stuff we can talk about as far as how to have a breakthrough in your relationship with God. I think that's really what we're going to talk about today is how to have a breakthrough in your relationship with God, how to go from pedestrian to sprinting, you know, how to go from, from stagnation to, to, to progress. We want to get there, but go ahead and, and share us that great scripture you got for us, Sean. So Psalm 139 and verse 13, this is the voice. It says, For you shaped me inside and out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. I will offer you my grateful heart, for I am your unique creation filled with wonder and awe. You have approached even the smallest details with excellence. 
Your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. Okay. So I read that, and I was kind of on thinking about this parenting concept, and I had read this before, but how you say, hey, you shaped me even from when I'm in my mother's womb, and I'm like, hey, he's our first parent. I kind of never really connected that before. Right, good. Where mm-hmm. he, he created us, and he's also trying to shape us into something. And I, like I said before, I don't like the discipline and training, but from when I read this, it talks about how he's shaping us. So why do you say he's, he's, he's shaped? It says here he... He shaped me inside and out. What, 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 what do you, you said he shapes our lives. Why do you say that? Isn't that just talking about when you're being born? Yeah, he says, well, he says he creates us and he made us excellent. Uh-huh. Um, and he's kind of, he has a great, he has a great plan when he made us and how much he feel, how much he, how he feels how excellent we are. But I took it as he shapes us throughout our life as well. Like he shaped us from the beginning. And, and why'd we, you think that? Um, I, I guess I see that. In my own life, um, I mean biblically, because a lot of people out there are really hungry for scriptures that support what we're saying today. Well, I, I guess later on. So, do you read that for you shape me inside and out? Do you read that? I didn't study this, you know, uh, uh, previous to this because this is, you know, it's it's the work you've done, great work. Are you reading that as, um, as as not a stagnant, just only when you're being born? But what we're learning about is The Father Heart of God, a great book by F. Lloyd McGinnis called The Father Heart of God. Are you, are you reading that as we're learning about God, that God shapes us inside and out, and there's no reason to believe that he won't continue to do that? In fact, doesn't it say in Philippians 1, maybe Mike can look this up and get the exact verse, that God is going to finish what he started? That yes. there's a, that, 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 so, so, so I think it's important for people to understand what you're trying to tell them is, that God puts that much time and that much effort into our creation, our birth, our conception. It says here, according to what you're reading, even the smallest details. So even if we have things that we go, I hate that about myself. I hate that, you know, I don't have, you know, green hair. Or I hate that, you know, I'm not 6'9". That is an important part, you being, you know, who you are in every detail, what we would consider positive or negative, is all part of God getting you where you need to get to, having you be what you need to be so that not only you live a fulfilled life, but the people around you live a fulfilled life. So if you have ADHD, if you have special needs, I have kids with special needs, if you have uh, prejudice towards you in an environment that's prejudice, all those things are part of God weaving his whole pattern together would be your position. Yes, I believe that, and I've read read the whole, and we'll, we'll read the other parts too. And you context, can read it right now if you want. But it, where it, it's kind of the heart that I, at least I got when I read this chapter of how how God definitely is shaping us and directing us to a certain path. Uh huh. And I also think it also shows how the the uh, the details it took they took to create us. And yeah, I think yeah. when I when I don't always feel that way, especially when I was growing up, and that you know there's an insecurity that that comes that, Hey, we're not living up to something. And that's what I kind of connected with. We're not envy and looking at other people and how God was actually shaping us for awesome things. Um, <clears throat> the attitude can have is envy people are better than me or, or connected with just living life without God, with anxious godlessness from my, like, Hey, I can't really do this, but, but God actually made us in a position where, you know, in a situation where we're awesome. Today's podcast is brought to you by the kickstart your quiet time newsletter. 
If you want to begin your day by reading the Bible, but you're unsure of where to start, we've got you covered. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we will deliver a handcrafted quiet time to your inbox to kickstart your mornings with God. Head on over to deepspirituality.net to sign up for our newsletter. That's it. Simple enough. That's deepspirituality.net and sign up for the Kickstart Your Quiet Time newsletter today. Now, back to the show. So something that helps me a lot is connecting emotion with what I'm with, with what I'm what I learned. That's how I change a lot. So what do you feel emotionally? Like I I think that what people out there would really like help with that you could really help them with, because you're a you studied at Cal. You studied bioengineering, biochemistry, chemical engineering, chemical engineering. So, so you're coming at a lot from a science position when you come to Christianity, right? Wouldn't that be true? Accurate secular yes. science. Yes. Yeah. I mean, logic, reason, right? A lot of that. And so, was there an emotional aspect to becoming a Christian for you? Yes. Okay. What was that? I think I connected. I think it. Uh, I think the Bible, studying the Bible, and praying for the first time in my life connected with emotions I never I was trying to avoid my whole life ah. I think my goal was to not feel anything okay so praying to God for the first time like recognizing like what that scripture says that he actually wants to know me he thinks I'm great I was like but let's go back to that scripture let's take a look because I want to know what you so does that does does did the, is the reason you picked that as a core of your study Psalm 139 13 to 14 in the voice translation you guys can go back and you can read that yourself is the reason you picked that is because it touched something emotionally? Yes. What did it touch emotionally? The this the confidence and feeling the love from God that he he believes or he he believes I'm great, I'm excellent, even the small details of my life and that he put the effort in, into that. So, would you say that to some degree for you this is like going on ancestry.com? <laughs> you found out where you're coming from. A lot of people get on Ancestry.com, 23andMe, say, I got to do my DNA genetic research and figure out who I am. And I watch the commercials and right. the lady goes, you know, I found out I'm the 29th cousin to George Washington. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. I told my wife, I'm not sure how that helps. I mean, yeah, I may, I guess. You know, I mean, peace right. If I found out I was related to Michael Jordan, I'd just be discouraged. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, I, I guess, I guess I didn't get that part of the tree. Um, but, but I'm saying that this for you is like Ancestry.com. Like a lot of people go searching for who they are, and it sounds like what you did is you went searching for who you are with God. You went, I'm no longer adrift in the sea of life trying to figure out who I'm meant to be. I found my home. I found my roots. I found my true beginning. And for everybody out there who's an orphan, for everybody out there who maybe sometimes is an adopted person, says, I wish I knew this information and doesn't have it, for everybody who was born to slavery, who can't go on ancestry.com and find much information uh, for everybody who has uh, uh, only a single uh, dad or mom at home that wonders and doesn't know their mom or dad. I mean, so doesn't know the, the parent who's not uh, around that this is the source that, that having a father relationship with God is more than just having intimacy with God is knowing where you come from and who you are. That's what you're kind of talking about. Yes. That, that actually helps frame it for me too even but that i think that is the feeling that i was having because that's where the the title that came up somewhere i belong which yeah. is a lincoln park song but yeah. i kind of connect with that as well is that feeling of where do i where do i come from which is i i didn't totally recognize that growing up but that's kind of the thoughts and feelings so when i read scriptures like this or the psalm 68 that father to the fathers that hey I, I there is a that's where i come from and that's the meaning or or, or where i belong is with god yeah but so that's that's what now, you said you had more you have more? I have more scriptures, yes. Yeah, let's read them. 
Everybody else wants to read them. If you're driving along this morning, this evening, if you're doing laundry, if you're out uh, for a run, uh, you know what we want to do in this first session of 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 how to get a breakthrough in your relationship with God is focus on the study that Sean has developed somewhere I belong. Is it titled the same thing on the web? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Somewhere I belong. You can read it. You can listen to this podcast. We just want to get you thinking. That's what this podcast. This episode is really about how to get thinking about how to have a breakthrough in your relationship with God. And what Sean is doing is going after some really tough stuff. He's saying, I'm not satisfied to just go to church. I'm not satisfied to just have a quiet time. I'm not satisfied just to read my Bible and pray. I'm not satisfied to just keep, you know, uh, a perfect attendance record. I'm not satisfied to just be able to feel like I'm a good religious guy. He said, I want more. He started feeling empty and like he was missing something as a Christian, uh, not passionate, I think is what he's talking about, not really knowing uh, with confidence that God loves him, cares about him. And even if other people aren't always praising him, Sean is telling us how to get in that space where you know there's one person that's standing and that's cheering you on. And I don't know about you guys, but when I played sports and 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 did different things in high school competitively, uh, forensics and different things like that. There was something really awesome about looking out in the audience and seeing your friends or seeing your parents and seeing their enthusiasm. And I think what you're really making us connect to Sean is that we can't have a great relationship with God unless we look out into the sea of life, the thousands and millions of people and know that regardless of what happens, there's one person giving us that standing ovation there's one person pumping the air and being excited. And I think that, to me, is what you're bringing today. Let's go ahead and take a look at the scripture that you have for us. So the next passage is, uh, is starts, in verse, or starts in verse 1 of Psalm 139. It says, O eternal one, you have explored my heart and know exactly who I am. You even know the small details, like when I take a seat and when I stand up again. Even when I'm far away, you know what I'm thinking. You observe my wanderings and my sleeping, my waking and my dreaming. And you know everything I do in more detail than even I know. And in verse 5, you have surrounded me on every side, behind me and before me, and you have placed your hand gently on my shoulder. It's the most amazing feeling to know how deeply you know me inside and out. The realization of it is so great that I cannot comprehend it. So I think this passage kind of helped me uh, understand the attachment that God does. It doesn't actually use the word attachment, but everywhere we go, he's there. He wants to be. even describes how gently he plays your hand on a shoulder. You Can know? you tell us how that means something in your life? Like, I think your biblical analysis is phenomenal. Can you tell us something, you know, maybe that this stirred up in you or made you feel or some way you got a big burst of, you know, I don't know what you get a big burst of, star <laughs> burst of spiritual energy or, you know, a big M&M, M&M jolt or, right. you know, a honey crunch Cheerio feeling, you know, whatever it was that you got a big kombucha Sugar burst. Right. <laughs> what did it do for you? Tell us what it did for you. What it like? You're by yourself. You're reading this thing, and 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 you discover this, and you look at it, and what does it do? I think it it's uh, it definitely inspired me when I read it. It's, it inspires me that God knows everything about me and the acceptance that it feels from it, or I I can feel from that because I think. Inside of me, I feel like I need to perform or be a certain. I'm going to get a story out of you, man. I am. <laughs> I am determined to get a story out of you. Let me tell you a story, right? So, I, I, some of the, I, my parents weren't perfect at all, but they were good parents to me. But they gave me confidence, and so here's a simple, simple way they gave me confidence. And these things are the things I know. 
And again, you know, they're, 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 I'm not trying to say my parents are perfect or nothing like that, but, and I don't think they were reading a bunch of parenting books or nothing. And they weren't really churchgoers in, in, in the, in the sense of like avid determined. My dad was kind of went to church, but my mom, not so much. I was, didn't go at all. I was like, keep this stuff away from me. But I was about five years old and, uh, my dad worked for the post office. And so he was able to come home, um, for lunch and we live, we like walk to our school and we could come back home for lunch. I don't understand all the details, but cause I was only five or four or something five. Cause I went to, I went to a thing, a program. My mom got me into head start, which I think you're supposed to, you know, it was supposed to be for kids. I think that financially couldn't do a certain amount, but my mom was a teacher. So she got, she got me in, she tried to get me to every program you could get a kid into. And so I came home for lunch and my sisters were there. One sister of mine is five years older than me. The other is three years older than me. And uh, we were home and uh, my dad uh, was making lunch. And we, and we, that was in the days where you could walk home. Like you walk home, you didn't need police. Mm. You didn't need to have a, mm. an alarm on you, a siren on you. You didn't have a smartphone. <laughs> you didn't have a GPS. You know what I'm saying? You just had feet that walked and you walked home and you walked back to school and nobody generally bothered you, at least not us. And so we got home and my dad was making lunch and, and uh, or he was getting ready and he said, oh, we're going to have grilled cheese and tomato soup. And, um, and, uh, you know, and I was sitting there and my sister was sitting there. And the reason I know this story is because my dad told me and my older sister told me the story. Um, and my dad, I remember the moment, but I don't, I don't, rem- I don't, I couldn't place any value on the moment until they told me. So my sisters both said, oh, we don't want tomato soup and grilled cheese today. We don't want that. We want something different. And my dad said, you want something different? He they said, yeah, we want something different. He says, good. Why don't you figure out how you can make something different? And I'm just making Russ's lunch. And in that moment, <laughs> In that moment, I remember, I do remember this, me and my dad were sitting there eating and my sisters weren't eating anything because at that point they didn't know how to make anything really. (laughs) And my dad just was like, Hey, you got, you got, you got a lot of opinions. And what it is in that moment, I felt special. I Hmm. felt unique. I felt like that feeling you have when you're the youngest and the only boy and your dad gives you a special attention and it was just me and him eating. And that experience would go on a lot of my life. As I got older, on Saturdays, there'd be uh, like a back doubleheader basketball games for college or tripleheader basketball games. So my dad would go, okay, let's go to, let's go to McDonald's. So we go to McDonald's, load up on multiple burgers and fries, chocolate shake, bring it downstairs in the basement, and we'd just sit there and feast on it watching games. And we'd spend the whole day just watching basketball games. Again, it, it was this special feeling. So I think once... I became a Christian and started to get past my sin, which I think sin is the primary thing that divides us from our parents. Yeah. And it's the primary thing that divides us from God. Right. And it's the primary thing that divides us from people. Once I got an understanding of that, I understood I could have a relationship with God like I had with my dad, but better because I couldn't hurt God irreconcilably the way I could hurt or disappoint my dad. And then it made me a better kid to my dad, even as I got older, 20s, 30s, 40s. I, got, I became a better son to my father because I became a son to God. Hmm. And so as you're going through these things, those stories are coming up in my mind. And I'm thinking of, I remember when I was playing basketball, you know, I played, um, I played basketball in, um, in uh, high school. And I remember uh, we had a really tough game against Granville and I was in the game. And uh, I remember looking up and seeing my dad in the stands. And there's something powerful about seeing your parent excited about what you do. 
and it translates so that when you look at Psalm 37, when it says verses 1 through 3, it should be read. 1 through 4 should be read. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It makes sense when you start realizing how delighted you are to see your dad in the stands. You now realize how delighted you can be toward God. Yeah. So I think there's this whole world of experience, as you two guys are talking, that I think we want to be able to both experience for ourselves and help our listeners understand, because I think a lot of people, when they're reading the Bible, are bored, and a lot of people, when they're praying, are bored, or they don't know what to say, and it's because they're not able to make that connection to the experience you had, and even if you had negative experiences with your parents, the experience you had with a coach, the experience you had with a teacher, the experience you had with a neighbor. I had neighbor dads and moms who were really into uh, me being successful as much as my parents were. And they would see me and be like, Russ, how's it going? What are you ready for the season? Or you keeping that GPA up? Just having that acknowledgement, what it does is it builds security and it builds confidence. And when you get that from human beings, you get a better understanding. That's what I need to get out of my alleged or so-called quiet time. The quiet time is not a time to become intellectually, to develop your intellectual acumen about what the Bible says to become a master of logic and reasoning and argument about God's existence like a lot of people do. The quiet time's a time to figure out, just like this picture we have in front of us, a dad with a daughter sitting by water, that's intimacy, that's closeness, that's knowing. And I, I, I think that's what you really want from everybody, is you want everybody to understand there's a knowing experience, there's a delight, there's an excitement about it, you know, that, that you want to get. And I know when I remember when I was uh, older in my forties and my dad called him up for father's day. And I said, tell me about your years in the Negro baseball league and how that all happened. You've never told me. He was like, nobody cares about that. Nobody wants to hear about that. And it was interesting as I coasted out of him and he told me, I realized he needed a son to want to know about him. Hmm. And it mm-hmm. taught me about my relationship with God that I in that relationship need to want to know about God, that part of what makes your relationship with God great is that not just he wants to know us, but we want to know him and we're excited about it. And you could hear my dad's voice lift, rise and fall and move when he realized how intrigued I was about his time in the Korean War, how intrigued I was about his time in college as a athlete playing basketball and baseball and then the pros, Negro Baseball League, saying, hey, we want to get you. And all that, to me, are the thoughts and the feelings that need to rise up in people's hearts when they're reading and when they're praying. And all those are the reasons in Luke 11, which you quoted, and we should probably get it up, uh, we should pull it up, but in Luke 11, 1, where he says, uh, can you read it for us? Does one yeah, of you guys yeah. have that? Luke 11, verse 2, it says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Oh, 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 no, yeah, but you got you to start at the top, man. You got to start. Sorry, I verse believe, one. <laughs> I can't believe you sliced verse 1. That's just cold-blooded. Why would a man do that? All right, we'll that? go back to 1. He says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Okay, now, now hang on a minute. Do you hear what's happening there? The disciples have seen Jesus talking to the Father. And if you keep reading it, they've seen him. Right. And they've seen the intimacy. They've seen the closeness. And it's teaching Mm -hmm. us, how do you inspire someone to love God? They've got to see you do it. Mm -hmm. Jesus loved God and was so intimately connected with God that the disciples turned around and they said, oh, Jesus, 
No, you've been holding out on this, man. <laughs> what you holding out on this for? John's been teaching his disciples how to pray. <laughs> you got to teach us how to pray. And you know what I wrote down today? I wrote down that prayer is spiritual breathing. Hmm. We can't live if we don't breathe physically. And we can't live if we don't breathe spiritually. Prayer is spiritual breathing. And they said, we want to know how to breathe at the pace of God. That's what they said. We want to know. That's what you're talking about. So can you read Luke 1, 11, 1 again? It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, if you're sitting out there in your car and you're driving to work, it's 5 a.m., maybe it's 4.30 a.m., you're really tired. Maybe put this thing on pause and just take a second and say, I want some spiritual breathing. I'm going to pray. These guys were hungry. They said, you got, we've seen you do it. This is chapter 11. By chapter 11, Jesus has been cranking. They've seen the power of God. In fact, Luke is the book where consistently it said, Jesus felt power go out from him. So it's a book of power. And so they realize, oh, this dude's got major power. He gets it when he has this conversation with God. Tell us how you do that, Jesus. Now, what's verse two say? It says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. See, and, and, and what's he telling them? You said it already. What's he telling them? Well, he's telling, telling God your dad. You know, you could talk to him, talk to him like that in that kind of personal relationship, which includes all the stuff we're talking about. And Mike, do you, you know where that, do you know where that scripture is in the book of Romans? It says, Abba, Father. Can you find that one? Can you find it? I can. I want to see if you got the skill set. I'm not going to give it to you. I got the skill set to I'm, Google I'm it. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> the skill set to Google it. Well, can you Google a hard up? Because that, that's what my, <laughs> can you do that? I mean, Google might find you the scripture, but it won't find you the heart to read it. Come on now. All right. So, so he starts out. He said, it's in the book of Romans. He says, Abba Father, Abba Father. Come on, man. Oh, boy. Oh, but if you're out there right now, weep with me, <laughs> weep with me, just cry with me. Found it. Yeah, of course you found it. <laughs> I did everything, but give you the fork and the knife, told you the book, told you, I could have given you a chapter, wanted you to do some work. All right. Uh, now, now what's that say? Uh, it says, uh, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. See that? See what he's saying? When he actually says to them, I'm going to tell you how to pray. He's saying, you've got to have intimacy with the father heart of God. Hmm. You, you can't just read your Bible. You can't just pray. Something electric's got to happen. Mike, you've got a daughter and you know, there's something electric that happens when you and she are just playing. You're not worried about anything right. and you're lost in that space. Am I not oh, right? Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, we like, uh, we were we went to the beach, took it to the beach the first time, and it was like it felt like magical. You know, first time just kind of playing, she's playing in the sand, running into the water, and it felt like one of those moments you just didn't want to end, right? And you kind of transcend. Like, oh yeah, in that and moment it, you're just there. The the, the, the I, Gail got some pictures from a friend of ours of our boys when they were young, uh, really young, and there's something just the level of connection that exist in those early years of parenting and child rearing. Forget the 
sleeplessness and all right. that, the freaking out over the temperature, <laughs> jumping yeah. 101 and all that. Right. Forget all that for a minute. And just that, that, e- that electric connection is what Jesus is talking about. He says in Luke 11, Father, hallowed be thy name. So he's talking about the great God, the awesome God, mm. the God who, when Moses came to see him at the burning bush, said, take your sandals off for the ground you're on is holy. And there's an unworthiness in our approaching him. And then he says, because of Jesus, though, this is all changing. And so Jesus is introducing them to the Father in a way they've never known him. And he's saying, this is still the awesome God, but because of the shedding of my blood, he's now Abba, Father. He's that intimate and that close. Now take that and read verse 2 now. Well, it says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. All right, and then read verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread. And read us verse 4. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And so what do we learn? At the core of that prayer is what? Forgiveness. And forgiveness, yeah. At the core of that prayer is forgiveness. There's no relationship with the Father without forgiveness. Mm, Yeah. There are a lot of people out there right now that are saying, you know, I can't see God as a Father. I have really bitter memories, sad memories. He wasn't there. Something tragic happened. He passed away. Or moms serve in the same capacity. I don't think there's a difference. Uh, some people think there is, that this masculine gender thing is a major issue. I don't think it is, simply because God is not humanly gendered. Um, and so I think mothers are the same way. You lost a mom, never had your mom. Uh, all these losses and, and hurts and, and, and pains, disappointments. At the end of the prayer, he says, forgive your debtors as you've been forgiven your debts. And a debt is something owed. And oftentimes we know financially that a debt is something owed that you can't pay. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. It just keeps, yes. it just keeps sitting there. That credit card debt just keeps sitting there. Yeah, it doesn't go you, away. It's you, true. You, you paid for it and you went, Oh, I didn't realize that's just the interest rate. <laughs> and so I think father relationships with God can't occur without forgiveness. Yeah. We need our daily bread. Yes. We need our help, but forgiveness. And so I think when you're talking about that, that relationship with the Father, which we love today. I think one thing I want everybody to remember, all of us in here to remember is the way to reignite and break through your relationship with God is to find forgiveness. That's what you want, forgiveness. That's what you're looking at. And so when someone learns all that Sean's been talking to us about God, when you read the article, what's the name of the article again? Somewhere I Belong. When you're reading that, we can't belong with God until we work out our rift with God. What's the thing that's blocking us from feeling that delight, that energy, that enthusiasm, that sheer happiness? That's what we're looking for. That's what we're going after. And hopefully after listening to this, you'll go read the article on deepspirituality.net called Somewhere I Belong. And uh, you might want to listen up for another podcast coming up from us uh, in the future uh, called Chasing God. That, that podcast will be coming pretty quick, and you can listen to that, and it, it'll be a good companion to this one. This is Deep Spirituality. We thank Sean Kelly for coming in, Mike Query for coming in, and uh, maybe they'll join us for the Chasing God uh, episode. You never know. Have a great day. <laughs>